and welcome to It's Symbolic, where we specialize in the obscure. I'm Jacob Savage. I'm here. I'm Ben. Now, here's an important question. Yeah. Yes. What do you think of musicals? I know that they're sort of a point of contention among people, so I'm curious where you stand on the divide. Um, I greatly enjoy them. I've seen several in my life. And I think they're a lot of fun, usually. Unless they're sad. Oh. <laughs> In which case, they're usually still pretty fun. Yeah. And do you, Ben? Uh, I actually go into a fit of rage pretty much immediately whenever uh, I think about them, or whenever I see oh. them. Um, oh. Or I guess whenever I'm around like a theater person, oh. it's Gosh. just sort of like impulsive, you know? Yeah. For me, it's a tight line, because... I'm a theater major. I love theater in general. Musicals are a bit of a hyperfixation for me. But I fucking hate musical theater fans. Yeah. Like, <laughs> That's okay. Would you like to like give them like a metaphorical wedgie or something? I I'm just saying if you're willing to like discuss the pros and cons of the original Chicago cast recording versus the revival, then we're going to get along great. But if you, you insist on calling Andrew Rannells your little precious child, I do not like you. I do not wish to associate with you. And I would be much better off not knowing of your existence. <laughs> and with that out of the way. <laughs> yeah. Which is pretty interesting given that this is definitely a show about musical theater fans. We're going to be talking about title of show. A, D, 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 F sharp, A, will be the first notes of our show. We'll start with the seed of an idea, then plant it onto paper with a Dixon Ticonderoga, and then watch it sprout into a musical, and then we'll help to make it grow. Bigger. Nothing guaranteed. But, neither of you really. Hold, wait, I got something funny to say. Can you let me speak oh, for a second? Sorry, sorry. Go, go right ahead. Okay, but Jacob, what is the title of the show? <laughs> oh, who's on first? Am I right? <laughs> that's the that's the level of material you can expect when um, I'm dealing with something that I have such intricate and deep knowledge in as musical theater. <laughs> Yeah, I had never heard of this before. I was surprised that I saw media of it going like a decade or so back. Yeah, it's an interesting case. Also an interesting case for the content, which that's, we'll get into. That's the impression I got. Just to, to, to put things I, out there, I didn't see the whole show. I listened to the whole cast recording. And that's it. I didn't look at the script or anything. I had no familiarity with it other than simply listening to the cast recording. All right. Yeah, I'm... It, this is actually one of the first shows I ever fell in love with as a teenager. Oh. How long ago are we I talking? I know that cast recording down... What? How long ago are we talking? Um, Mid-high school. I think I found it around 2009. Okay, so that's like peak theater years, Jacob. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. Yeah, so get right into it. 
Regards to background, there's really just a few people you need to know. The writers of the show, Jeff Bowen, who did the music and lyrics, Hunter Bell, who wrote the script, and their actor friends, Susan Blackwell and Heidi Blickenstaff. So, these are both the characters and the staff, right? Or am I getting ahead of things now? Um, you're getting a bit ahead, but yes, they are both the characters and the creators. Okay, do they have, like, previous writing credits or anything like that prior to this? Um, well, the biggest thing I found, they seem... They generally have a few credits between them by this point, but okay. by the project's inception, the most notable instance I could find was Hunter's libretto that he wrote for Silence, the musical. Is that supposed which, to be like some yes. sort of joke thing where there's no... I'm sorry, am no, I ruining the it's joke? A musical, it's a musical adaptation of Silence of the Lambs. Oh! Oh. Put the fucking ocean in the basket. All these stupid women are the same. Helps me not to think of them as human, so I call them it instead of by their names. When it's stuff like this, particularly horror, you need to remember that generally it's a parody. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I know I can always count on you to fill me in on this sort of stuff. But before we delve into it, there's a few more names I'd like to mention just for the sake of giving credit where credit is due, since they don't really pop up anywhere else. The work was directed in all of its forms by Michael Barres, and keyboard music and orchestration were provided by Larry Presgrove. Now, title of show is an interesting case. In the notes of the script, they actually use a term that they attribute to the playwright Linda Berry. It is in autobiofictionography. Terrible word. Oh. That's like a Frankenstein's monster of words. Isn't that how the English language works, in a sense? You got me there. How many things do you say every day that are just horrible mishmashes of other... Hell! English as a language is a terrible mishmash of other... Yeah, but that's why I stick with, like, 90s slang and try not to move on from there ever. (laughs) Radical. Uh, Yes, so the impetus of the show kind of comes with the New York Musical Theater Festival, which you are, if you are not familiar with it, it is an annual event held midtown in New York that presents new musicals. About four of the shows that debuted there have actually moved on to Broadway, and about 30 to off-Broadway. It's generally a good sign since they do screen what they're showing beforehand and i guess that some big names have arisen from it probably most notably the show next to normal i mean but big names the in the context in- of musicals i guess <laughs> yeah so they yes. don't mean anything to people me know, sorry people know this one all right i'll take so, your word for it the inaugural new york musical theater festival was held in 2004 and jeff and hunter decided to submit a work with three weeks notice so they had to write a show within three weeks their biggest goal was to write an original show given how much of theater particularly musical theater is comprised of adaptations right Mm -hmm. but they they discovered that their conversations about what to write were more interesting than anything that they could come up with 
As a result, the show grew to tell the story of its own development. Musicals. Uh, well, I'm trying to write a musical about two guys writing a musical about two guys writing a musical. Ooh, that sounds like some crazy shit, bitch, but it's original, and I like that. Sing with me. Okay. I'm an original. That wasn't the original plan. Like, that's just something that came about naturally yeah, after I mean, they decided, like, let's write something. Yeah. I mean, it's that's kind early of in su- the development process. It's kind of surprising. I felt like it yeah. seemed like the sort of thing where they're like, hey, let's do this weird, like, introspective, like, self-referential thing. Like, that's, that's the sort of idea you would come up with from the get-go, I would think. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. There is a long and storied history of theater being referential of theater and musicals. Yeah. Ranging from Kiss Me Kate to Something Rotten. But... This has been described as practically a musical theater Ouroboros, where it is eating its own tail. Yeah. As a result, the first half of the show revolves around getting people together and their aspirations, the difficulties of writing, writer's block, and all of that. All our gay skills, filling playbills, we'll be part of it all. As I said, these are big theater nerds, so they do a lot of name-dropping. One song in the show, Monkeys and Playbills, is actually half-comprised of titles of musical flops. Boy, well, Mm. the fact that I didn't pick that up pretty much shows that I'm not the audience, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. He drives by a steel pier Portofino to be the first to hear a band in Berlin. He stops by a carnival in Flanders and meets a lady monkey named Carrie. And through the Mother Earth, they meander. And in, a house in the same vein, they have a whole number about writing an original musical. Wherein... Well, that's a joke I can at least understand. Yes, one of like, them appears. It didn't totally go over my head. Yes, one of them appears as a sheet of blank paper in order to show how they can make an original musical. Shut up! You see, a lot of times musicals are based on books, like the Scarlet Pimpernel or Lestat, and other times they're based on plays, like Picnic, which became Hot September. But more recently, musicals have been based on movies, like My Favorite Year, Footloose, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, Big, Saturday Night Fever, The Wedding Singer, The Full Monty, The Producers... Thoroughly modern Millie, Hairspray, Beauty and the Beast, Billy Elliot, Spamalot. Wow, so movies make good Which musicals? Well, they make musicals. Leads to the point that there are not a lot of original musicals when you get down to it. <laughs> right. I think even I could, yeah, figure that one out. I mean, even looking at the major hits on Broadway, most of them are movies, as pointed out in the script. Mm. In addition to all of the name dropping, they actually had a running gag of Broadway celebrities calling in in order to reject offers to star in the show. That's pretty good. I'm sure if I were anywhere within that sphere of knowledge, I would appreciate it. I'm sorry, yes. I'll, try, I'll try to stop fucking just referencing the fact, like, I'm stupid, I don't know anything about theater. <laughs> oh, well, that's what I get for trying to reach outside of the <laughs> tiny world of theater kids. <laughs> it's okay. I'm, I genuinely, like, I, I actually do think it's interesting to sort of have this it feels like a very direct vision into like the world of theater and the people who take up that space so there's definitely there's there's a lot of it's a very human work i would say 
But that's yeah, what I, I'm certainly. sorry, that's what I'm getting to conclusions. I'll let you continue. Yeah, of course, of course. But yeah, it's a human work that has Idina Menzel make a voice cameo. <laughs> sure. So <laughs> the original trial run before the festival ran for three performances in summer of 2004 with Jeff, Hunter, and as they had written into the script as supporting characters, their actor friends, Susan, and instead of Heidi, they had a fourth party, Stacia Fernandez. By the time Hmm. the actual theater premiered in September, she had left the show, but Heidi played Stacia. Mm -hmm. So, for a show where everyone is playing themselves. Yeah. And this is pretty much the official premiere oh my while God. the original was workshop. And to be honest, it was a pretty minor show given that it was evolutionary. The requirements for submission were a script and four songs. So you could get in without a very large I could do that. product. Write four songs right now. Oh, fuck. Um, I'll tell you what. I'll premiere it on the next episode. <laughs> Oh, I like that. We are going to hold you to it. No, you're not. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. I'm not. Hey, I think it's working. We're discovering choices. Lots of things to think about when writing a show. Yeah, creating a vehicle to showcase our voices. And I don't mean our vocal cords. I mean what's below. Uh Uh-huh. By this point, the show was basically about its own infancy. The major points are really the question of whether the show could take off with a set comprised pretty much of four chairs and a keyboard. And again, as I said, writer's block, one of the more inspirational and better received numbers of the show, not to say that the show's not very well received, is Die Vampire Die. Which is about different forms of writer's block and self-doubt, which a lot of people find inspirational. And it's a fun song, regardless. We'll sing back up. You have a story to tell, a novel you keep in a drawer. Old sock drawer. You have a painting to paint, but you're lazy like an old French whore. Just we whore. You have a movie to make, shrinky dinks you can bake, but you best grab a steak, cause in sweep the vampires in. Right, I mean, I think it definitely has the sort of message that anyone can appreciate even outside of the realm of theater. Yeah, I I find it, uh, I mean, I liked it, like, myself as an artist. Oh, yeah, it speaks in terms of all forms of art, not just theater. Mm, Of course, yeah. At this point, the show pretty much ended with the submission of the festival paperwork form, where, due to the inability of the playwrights to come up with a suitable title, they decide to leave the name on the form blank. <laughs> Hence, title of show. So that so that was genuinely like, well, let's see what they do if we leave it blank. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure that they actually wrote in title of show huh. but it's you I know like, lowercase like and in brackets whoever's it's... like pushing papers for you know whatever organization's manager this is like well they left it blank so guess i got free reign here <laughs> i mean while they outright admit that certain aspects of the show are embellished in favor of drama and the like mm-hmm. 
I would like to see how the actual form was received if it was written as it is provided in the show. Yeah, right? That definitely has to be very curious. Oh, six. Description of show in 40 words or less. How about this show fucking rocks? This attracted the attention of producers. It was one of the first really big hits of the New York Musical Theater Festival. And a year of rewrites and edits ensued. Uh, the station role was better changed to reflect the actual person of Heidi. And about half of the musical numbers that you hear were written at this point. And it's a lot closer to the officially licensed version of the show now. They do add in part in the second half of the show, wherein they argue over making changes to the script to make it more publicly accessible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The possibility of replacing one of the actors with a big name. Right. And the keyboardist is upset because he's not in any of the press photos. It also adds an interesting dynamic between the two female members of the cast. Wherein, of course, it begins with the standard, Oh, another girl. I'm sort of threatened. Who the hell is Heidi? Susan. What kind of girl is she? I wonder sometimes if she even likes me. Even likes me. She seems to make you smile. But over time, they do have a really close friendship blossom, which they actually sort of put into one musical number, Secondary Characters, which is... Again, one of the high points of the script. I feel the same way, baby. Secondary characters are calling the shots while the guys are being stored in the wings. We've been left in charge of it all while the plot's unfolding like the Lord of the Rings. Trail of J, it'll bay you and May to the very end. And like Frodo and Samwise, you'll be my best friend. My result, the off-Broadway debut appeared as part of a limited run in 2006 and was actually well received enough that it was extended and as a result both playwrights and the director actually received special ob awards for their work which is basically the tonys for off broadway oh that does make sense sorry that took me a second yes, yes it it there are a lot of theater awards i don't expect you to be able to catch up. I thought you were talking about the dog from Garfield, am I right? <laughs> I I thought you meant the OB. It's a B, not a D. No, I'm just kidding. I knew it wasn't that. <laughs> oh, so I'm just the idiot here, I guess. <laughs> but that's yes. what I thought of. Exactly. Well, fat little dachshund. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I, oh. That wouldn't be such a bad thing to win. I just here, fucking here you go. Flop a dog that's into so their hands. Sad. It's so sad, though. What do you do about that? What if this show won a Tony? What if this show won a Tony Award? Papa, would that change the way you saw your little boy? Now he's a man. Anyway, this is actually a lot closer to the currently licensed version of the script, wherein they resolve the conflict and the show ends with them putting it into off-Broadway. 
it was actually here that the cast recording was released. So the official recording is not an entirely accurate representation of the current product. Wait, so what did I miss out on then? <laughs> um, they, a few numbers are altered somewhat. They even outright admit to messing with the tempo and delivery of some of the songs to create a better listening experience. Ah, uh, I which see. Is, it's a reasonable way to address it, given that, you know, one product is meant to be enjoyed entirely through audio and the other has a visual component. Yeah. But after that, things just kind of stagnated for a while. And this is, you know, written into the show, this is what leads to the conflict in the current version. It languished for about two years, and then... Jeff and Hunter decided to start the title of show show. It's hard to find my way as the road curves and bends, but I will make it through, cause you and you and you, you are my friend. Yeah, I looked at their YouTube channel sec, just well, uh, I was watching the cast recording on YouTube, sorry for not supporting them with a purchase of the CD, but uh... <laughs> So, and I thought, you know, I saw on the related videos that they had uh, a YouTube channel, and I briefly checked that out, because they had one that was, like, you know, about the show, and I was like, oh, man, that'll make me look really smart and good on the podcast if I watch that beforehand. And then I saw when I was scrolling through their videos that they had all that other stuff, too. Exactly. The title of Show Show is a web series that details the musical's journey to Broadway. Wait, isn't that what the show was for? Well... The show ended with them off-Broadway. Oh, I'm sorry. That makes sense. If you don't know the difference, it's in regards of the number of seats within the theater. <laughs> huh. Off-Broadway has... Is that true, or is that a joke? No, I'm serious. I'm serious. That's oh, okay. the distinction. Interesting. Yeah. I had no there's idea. There's Broadway, then there's off-Broadway, then there's off-off-Broadway. I had no idea, actually. Whoa. Four offs is watching a low-quality bootleg alone in your apartment. <laughs> <laughs> That's like... That's like halfway across the country from Broadway. Yes, the first episode of the title of Show Show has them announcing that they're going to go to Broadway. And that's it. They don't have a theater, but they're going to try to get to Broadway. Huh. Had a number of cameos throughout its run, given that they had already established themselves within the Broadway theater community yeah, by this point. They got that clout now. Yes, exactly. I mean, some of these people, you would actually know, so... I wouldn't be so sure about that. To be fair, is there anything that Lin-Manuel Miranda isn't in these days? Okay, well, there you got me there. <laughs> yes, eventually they did make it, and once the show actually reached Broadway, it kind of derailed a bit. I haven't seen all of it, but from this point on, it's mostly about a puppet named Mindy. Hmm. me alive was the thought of you kids up there in the historic Lyceum stage doing eight shows a week. Oh, I got nervous in that coma that the show might close. But you didn't. Oh, and the day I get out of this hospital, I'll walk directly to the box office and say, one, please, Is for this title of show. another not joke? Uh, I'm serious. <laughs> they... I think you need to work on your delivery so I can be more clear on when things are jokes <laughs> and not. Because, you know, just for the sake of our conversation, I want to make sure I can be, like, right there with my good, hearty laughs when I hear a joke coming, you know? I guess it's mostly about a puppet named Mindy that they introduced in 
one episode and then apparently became the big favorite of everyone. What? And then she gets shot. So it's like a puppet show now? (laughs) I, I, I don't know. Oh my god. This is the sort of show where one of the episode descriptions is that they hold a a baton relay race through Times Square where on the way one of them is attacked by ninjas. Is this the actual Broadway show or is this the show show that we're talking about now? I'm this a bit is the lost. show show. This the, is like promotion, sh- I suppose. So this is the YouTube thing then. <laughs> yes, this is YouTube. Well, congrats writers of the show you succeeded in making me really fucking confused i know that's what you wanted this whole time so (laughs) there you go the show itself actually debuted on broadway in the lyceum theater which specializes in a lot of these lower tech shows it opened july 17th 2008 and this is where the show itself cuts off they end it on their opening night where they just so decide to let the product go free. So it hasn't evolved any further from that point. It has not. And the show actually closed October 12th of that year. Oh. Yeah, From unfortunately, from what I understand, it closed at a loss. But mm. it's it remains a popular choice with regional theaters, particularly good due to how simple it is. Four chairs and a keyboard. That's true. They got a strong mid- elevator pitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they do showcase a fair amount of edits. They update the references. They get rid of the celebrity cameo messages. They can hire and... impersonators. <laughs> I mean, technically speaking, isn't that what the actors are doing in the first place? Given well, that they are to... playing the creators. <laughs> I'm going to have to chew on that one for a bit. I'm standing here, just left of center, and something ain't clear. When did I sign on the line of this decree? Sorry. Stuck in a show where I am playing me. That's funny. Keep going. I'm trying yes, the show was also nominated for Best Book at the 2009 Tonys. Admittedly, this was the year that both Next to Normal and Billy Elliot were up for um, the awards. But Just for people who might not know out there, what what's, what's Best Book? In the context of a musical. The script. That's, the what, I, that's, that's what I thought. But, you know, some people out there are kind of slow. So, uh, you know, maybe they didn't. The, they read Catcher in the Rye at one point. <laughs> yeah, that's a good book. Good pick. By that prop. <laughs> like, let's give J.D. Salinger the Tony. <laughs> yeah, and this was also when they gave awards to more than one show per year. So it actually meant something. Boy, that's kind of a nice way of doing things, huh? Yeah, I'm not bitter. (laughs) Since then, for the most part, the people involved have gone on their own ways. There haven't been too much, aside from what I'm going to go into, that Jeff and Tunter have done. Apparently, they're working on new stuff. Susan actually hosts a show with Broadway.com, side-by-side with Susan Blackwell, where she interviews Broadway stars and usually ends by licking their face. Ironically, didn't they also call out said website in the show? (laughs) They do. (laughs) Funny how that works. Jeff, what was that bad review in anyway? Broadway.com. Broadway.com. Broadway.com can kneel down, open his online mouth, and suck my... Festival Medley! It can suck my fucking cock! Festival Medley! 
Heidi's Broadway. And this woman, what the fuck was that about face looking? By the way, <laughs> yeah, she she apparently licks their face. I watched a couple of episodes. Maybe she's phased this out over time. So you didn't but, get what you came for. That's very disappointing. I know it. She's got the guests she has now have their own sense of clout. Mm-hmm. But Heidi's Broadway career did eventually take off. It is discussed in the script that she got a role in The Little Mermaid. Oh. And then actually got a sizable role in The Little Mermaid. Was part of the... Managed to finally originate another role with Something Rotten. And is currently in the... I believe it's in development or on tour. They're doing a musical of Freaky Friday. Oh, shit. I hope it's based off of the fucking Lindsay Lohan, Jamie Lee Curtis one. Because that movie has some fucking jams. (laughs) That's another story for another time. (laughs) You're you're just hoping that it's not a musical adaptation. They just play the soundtrack. Yes, I am. Well, the actors... You're hoping for a Rocky Horror Shadowcast. It has some fucking jams, and that is a reference that is 100% lost on me. I know it's upsetting, but life isn't fair. And parents die. They tell you... The big spiritual successor to title of show is actually a work called Now, Here, This. Here, here at the start, I try to know where I am going. Days, days filled with dreams that none of my seams will ever be showing. Scared of what I will find. Which was... A collaboration by the same four people. Oh, huh. Yes, it details vignettes and moments from the cast's lives, from childhood to adulthood, which is very different. It covers a lot more musical styles. There's full orchestration, and I actually found it a lot more personal and insightful. Right, I can see that. Well, some of these stories are just like, you know, one time I went on a sailing trip and got really sick, There are others that are about, say, hiding your homosexuality. Right. Or Mm -hmm. being so desperate for attention that you cause property damage. Um... Is that relatable? (laughs) I almost said in there, but (laughs) I don't want to implicate myself. (laughs) Maybe you're just boring. (laughs) Have you thought about that? Maybe I am. Attention, please. It's what I want and what I'm looking for. Ladies and G's, your attention, please. Now that it's here, I'm gonna get some more. But yeah, it debuted off Broadway 2012. It doesn't have as large of a following, but it definitely has its fans. We may go into it in greater detail at another time. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't mean to put title of show down when I say that its successor is more personal and insightful because there are plenty of personal and insightful things in title of show there's i mean i know that it can kind of seem like because it's about the show itself as opposed to personal stories that it might give off the impression that it's not as personal but it seems to me like it's about people like you know putting their heart into something which it's a different kind of personal but there's definitely a lot exactly yeah One of the numbers that I mentioned, Die, Vampire, Die, brings up a lot of feelings about self-doubt and gets 
really introspective. And they outright say in the script not to play it for laughs. Right. Why is it if some dude walked up to me on the subway platform and said these things, I would think he was a mentally ill asshole. But if the vampire inside my head says it, it's the voice of reason. And as I said, a lot of the second half of the show focuses on the possibility of compromising your artistic vision. And the big, well, not the final number, but the big number before the finale, nine people's favorite thing, is a particularly poignant message about making what they want to make for people like them. Right. Instead of just putting out what's popular. You said yeah. to me, I'd rather be nine people's favorite thing than a hundred people's ninth favorite thing. Nine people's favorite thing than a hundred people's ninth favorite thing. Yeah, you're right, Jeffy. Let's not. I really felt that one too. Yeah, there's a very earnest vibe about the whole thing. Precisely, it's pretty easy to dismiss as fluff, which is a concern that they express in the show. If it's something directly relating to the development of the show, naturally, it's in the show. Mm. But it's this form of earnestness that. I believe, that has lent itself to the show's appeal. Yeah, I think that you're kind of playing a dangerous game when... I feel like the best word I can really use is, like, saying... It, it sort of feels like a gimmick show from the start, or at least it can come across like that on a surface level, you know? So, well, yeah, I it's mean, a very dangerous game to play, I guess. For, from the very beginning, they have that whole bit of, you know, why don't we put such and such in the show? And then they do it. Right. <laughs> What if this dialogue were set to music? What if what we're saying could be said in a song? Hey, that's not a bad idea. Perhaps we could use it. Music in a musical, how can we go wrong? We At the same time, it also kind of stands out because it is one of the few musicals I could really describe as postmodern, which, if hmm. you're not familiar, is... Sorry, I'm trying to think of a good way to think of it. You, you no could chime in and say after modern. That could be a joke, but... <laughs> <laughs> it could be <laughs> but it's not going to happen anyway the best way to describe postmodern is a work of art that looks at itself within its own medium in a sense the limitations of its own presentation mm -hmm. like the most commonly cited example of classical postmodernism is that one René Magritte painting the Cisne pipe. The fucking this pipe is not one. a pipe. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Or, you know, it's not a pipe. It's a drawing of a pipe. It's called the treachery of <sighs> images. Treachery of images. That's what it is. Thank you. I I should have known that. But, yeah. Other shows have dabbled in this. For example, if you look at Into the Woods, the narrator is a character that is eventually forcibly brought into the action. Meanwhile. Shows like Spamalot, which has a song entitled The Song That Goes Like This. We change the key. We? Mm, that's awfully high for me. But everyone can see we should have stayed in D. This is really the only instance where it's start to finish. And even now, hear this doesn't really it has some fourth wall breaking moments but it doesn't exist entirely within itself in the same vein oh fuck guys when's 
Deadpool the musical to really bring things, like, you know, to really bring it oh, home. Am God, I right? No. no. Am I right? Kill me now. Kill me. I'm sorry. You no, know better it's... Better yet, I'll kill you. You know it's coming. God, it probably would. Is it starring every obnoxious guy from Comic-Con? <laughs> God, the tryout line is just going to be unbearable. <laughs> even in regards to fourth wall breaking, it doesn't even do it that much. Like, all four mm-hmm. characters know that they exist within a musical, but only one of them really seems to know that they are in a musical that is currently being performed. Right. Is an interesting way to play on the subject. In our show, what could be better? Sweeter. What? Sweeter. We've been over this. You know the lyric is sweeter. Uh, But here's the deal. One of them sounds like it's two syllables, and the other sounds like it's three syllables. So it's like sweeter. Theater. Does that rhyme? Yes. (laughs) I'm sorry, Larry, from the key change. A five, six, seven, eight. Like I said, it's a work that's stuck with me, and my opinion varies on it depending on when... I revisit it, of course. Right. It depends partially on how I feel about the script. The the soundtrack on its own is great. It can stand on its own. But admittedly, the script that sometimes isn't as strong. But as a whole, it brings the work together, I believe. So what versions of it have you had exposure to, I guess? um, I had seen... I had heard the recording. I, I know every goddamn line beat and moment of that recording <laughs> i believe you but, but i found i got to read the script a few years ago there are recordings but i did like a law-abiding citizen i did not watch one <laughs> did you want to insert your uh, obligatory uh plea for broadway be made more accessible oh yes please Go go for it. This is a bit after because this show was 10 years ago and you can't really do it as well. But, you know, there's the whole fact that the industry is raising prices too high. It's a wonder that they still bring in as much as they do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, not everyone can get to New York. You know, they actually officially record every show. For what purpose? For promotional material? Um, archival recordings. Oh, but they're just they, not made They available. keep them in the New York Library of the Performing Arts. Hmm, interesting. You can only check them out if you are a New York citizen. Okay. Yeah, exactly. I mean, <sighs> okay. as a performer, I understand why bootlegs are bad and... They're really distracting to everyone on stage. But at the same time, I can't just run up to New York and see Escape to Margaritaville on a whim. <laughs> <laughs> that's, not a, that's not a very parrot head of you, Jacob. To be fair, I did stay in the hotel, that the theater that it was in is attached to. <laughs> so <laughs> I got to see fucking... plenty of promotional stuff. I just you got, you, got those margarita, you got those Margaritaville vibes off of it, though. Yeah, they they serve a lot of alcohol. (laughs) (laughs) I don't doubt that. Uh, Do you have any more thoughts on title of show? I would say that it probably has the best integrated musical breaks into any show I've ever heard of, just because I can't think of any more realistic way to integrate people bursting into song than having it be a show about theater kids. (laughs) So, 
Sorry, I was holding that one in for uh, some time now. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. You were you were just waiting. Yeah, so, <laughs> hope it was worth it, everyone. <laughs> um, but no, no. Like I said, I th- I feel like I've gotten a lot of my major points out there that I've mentioned in the past that I always have an affinity to some extent for works of art that f- feel human or that you can feel the creator's intent out of it. And there is definitely a part of me that feels like having something that's so like, you know, self-referential and to some extent, quote unquote, fourth wall breaking is a bit of a slippery slope. All of it. (laughs) So yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit of a slippery slope, but I think the way that it turns it into a more personal story based off of what i've heard i haven't seen the whole thing yeah precisely i mean it, it's definitely hit its streak with fans one of the highlights of their youtube channel is a collaborative video that they had with fans oh, where that's they sweet. did a everyone holds a picture sure. of a word and it forms the lyrics of nine people's favorite thing hmm while there are a few big cameos within there, it's mostly just ordinary fans. Right. And I mean, I guess that's pretty significant considering that's what they came from. So there's something profound in that, I think. Because I mean, I think in general, as much as, you know, I or other people or you at the beginning of this might have a tendency to make some jokes at the expense of theater people. It clearly feels like something where there's a lot of heart in it, and it's always nice to see something that's like, you know, by a certain group of very passionate people for a similar group. You know, it's just just a pleasant thing to see, even as an outsider. I think it's human human nature to want to see people be excited (laughs) about things. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I'm still sort of processing it, but um, I am very much into like meta humor and also i just i always love an original piece of work one that's not any sort of adaptation so i appreciate like what they're doing what they're trying to do and i think they pulled it off pretty well yeah i i don't think it's a perfect product but it's so earnest that you're willing to overlook any faults that you may find with it. Sure. Mm -hmm. Given that it's the story and the true story of people just simply working to put something out there, it's inspiring as a content creator. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's very true. This is the last And speaking of status as content creators, thank you for listening. If you have a suggestion for something for us to cover, you can contact us through email at itsymbolicpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at itsymbolicpc. If you are interested in seeing visual aids for some of the stuff we discuss so you know what the hell we're talking about, we're also on Instagram at It's Symbolic Podcast. And if you'd like the show, go ahead, leave a rating and review on iTunes, Google Play, wherever 
you get this. It helps a lot. Trust me. I trust you. I do. I'm Jacob. I'm Mir. I'm Ben. Join us next time when we realize just how terrifying cubism can be. Hmm. It's so sharp, you know? That's yeah, like I know. It's fuck hold on wait, I actually need to genuinely count how many angles there are on a cube so I don't look at the cube. <laughs> <on my ass. laughs> I think it's twelve. Twelve sounds oh, right. Oh, I really hope no, you're right. No, wait, I'm thinking I'm thinking edges. Not not Too late. Too late. Locked in your answer. <laughs> What an idiot. What a fucking idiot. He doesn't know shit. shit. Fuck you. He spent too much time studying fucking fucking musicals. And look where he is. Don't fuck you. I'm forgetting you. I'm forgetting you. I totally stopped listening.